0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demoin here with y'all. As always, we are just a few days out—actually, uh, two, one and a half. If you want to say that uh, days out from the first round of the NCAA tournament. The play-in games have concluded. Happening. Recording here on Thursday, so taking place last night, Wednesday night, as Delaware and Vermont both uh, earned sizable, uh, decisive victories. There, as the uh, Vermont Catamounts beat Manhattan fifteen to three, and the Delaware Blue Hens beat Robert Morris twenty to eight bit more blowouts than I expected it to to be. Uh, but as with both of those programs, as we've seen recently and through the past months, uh, offense has really sparked for both of those teams. And that continued on Wednesday as, you know, not only getting it done on the offensive end, but also on the back end at the off dot, really everywhere. Uh, you know, having success. And, you know, Delaware, they will now go on and play Georgetown. um, And then you will have Vermont go on and play Maryland. Um, I would expect both Maryland and Georgetown to win those games um, and to win those games pretty confidently. Uh, But, you know, first half might be uh, a little tighter than expected, uh, as was the case uh, last year uh, with when we saw Vermont play Maryland, they put up a good fight in that game. Expect both uh, both, uh, Delaware and Vermont to put up good, uh, respectable fights in those games, especially uh, if they can get their offenses going as they have here in recent weeks. Obviously going to be a very, very tall task for both of those teams going up against the number one and number two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Before we get to... The other games this weekend. Uh, I previewed the entire tournament, really, so we're not going to go too deep into some of these games uh, as I did so a bit earlier this week. Um, but before we get into the tournament, I do you want to mention some uh, transfer portal news? Most notably, Alex Simmons Uh, literally <laughs> like. Two hours um or not even an hour after I've recorded Wednesday's podcast, Alex Simmons puts on uh, uh announces via Instagram. he's heading to Syracuse and uh you know the orange finally gets some good news uh getting Alex Simmons the attackman slash midfielder you can really play him anywhere you want there um at Syracuse. I think, you know, th- this is a really good spot for him. Um, you're going to have Owen Hiltz there back next season. Having him there as well as Simmons and then, uh, you know, assuming Joey Spelina, you know is going to come in as a freshman, assuming he starts right away and, and he moves up to the hype, that's going to be a very, very exciting Syracuse offense next season. With those three, Simmons gives them um, another asset that they can use multiple different ways uh, there as he is both a player who can play up top and can also play there um, at the attack spot. He's a shooter, Um, very good player for Bill Tierney and Denver that we could see continue to have success Um, next season there at Syracuse. Mikey Berkman is also going to be back there, uh, the redshirt sophomore at that attack spot. So, um, you know, would expect probably Simmons to play uh, midfield at Syracuse gives them, uh, which is really, and kind of when you look at some of these guys that will be leaving, um, is kind of what they do. I think, need some bodies is at the midfield spot um, where it kind of seemed like they didn't have a ton um, this past season that, you know, as in the case that, you know, two years ago or as compared to a year ago, two years ago, when you had uh, Trimboli and those guys and Dordovic playing at the midfield and you had one of the better, you know, most talented midfields in the country, one of the best in the ACC compared to that. Syracuse's midfield was not that good uh, this season, but, uh, you know, there is some promise there in adding Alex Simmons to that, to that group. And uh, again, you know, whether they play him at attack or midfield is yet to be seen, but he very well could be slotted in there at that midfield spot. and, And he's a threat from multiple spots on the field. The other big transfer portal news that we need to get, well, so uh, the Syracuse, they get one. Uh, Matt Alcorsi, uh is also in the portal, a freshman midfielder out of Syracuse. Um, he's in the portal. Um, and, and again, like going in the portal doesn't mean that you're necessarily gone. It means you're exploring the options um, of leaving. You can always withdraw and come back. Um, so Matteo Corsi is in the transfer portal, freshman midfielder. Out of Syracuse. Um, No, had some good performances last season for the Orange, uh, but he is another guy that is, you know, as it was affirmed to me earlier today, everybody's jumping ship, it seems like. Um, They're in Syracuse, uh, but they do get a good playmaker there in Alex Simmons, um, another guy that the Orange will likely pursue is Marcus Hudgens, the Syracuse native West Genesee uh, Genesee, uh, product. Marcus Hudgens played at Army for three seasons, did not play this past season. Uh, Personal personal issues there, a situation as to why he didn't play. He has been, and, and I don't know the entire situation. Um, he has been relieved of his, I don't want to say relieved, but he has gotten out of his commitment to the service um, and is in the transfer portal as a grad transfer. That is very, very unusual that you see an Army player transfer. Um, you've seen it at guys from, you know, UMAPs maps, uh, who transfer or at Naps who transfer, uh, or guys from Air Force who uh, go to the Air Force Prep Academy and transfer. You see that often, guys who go to these uh, prep academies and then transfer, uh, and, and, and end up going somewhere else uh, for what is would be the kind of redshirt freshman season, if you will. Um, but you don't necessarily see guys two, three years, uh, four years, especially down the line at Army, at Navy, at Air Force, transferring and playing a fifth use somewhere. That's just not something that happens. Um, Marcus Hudgens, that's the situation he's in. Uh, he's transferring uh, as a grad transfer, um, a, a very, very good defenseman who has been absolutely Phenomenal for this uh, Army squad 2021 Patriot League defensive player of this of the year. He was a first team All-American heading into this 2022 20, uh, season, obviously did not see any action. He really you know, kind of had that breakout year there, uh, the partial season in 2020 uh as a first year starter and has just continued to grow since then. He's a Syracuse native, as I mentioned. There's an article, I think it's Syracuse.com. Uh, let me check that. Yep, Syracuse.com. Uh where they they talked to his to uh his dad and his dad mentioned that Syracuse is a school uh that is uh in communication or has been or that they're looking at, um, so that would be a huge get for for all for uh, excuse me, for Syracuse, and that is a uh, defense that certainly needs some help there. <clears throat> um, but of course, a guy like Marcus Hutchins, a you know All American, first team All American caliber player, mm-hmm. you know he's going to get the kitchen sink going at him in terms of the amount of programs interested. I would expect Notre Dame to be in that, uh, to be uh, maybe not in his final list or whatever, um, but I would expect uh, Notre Dame to at least reach out to him there uh, when you look at what they've done uh, transfer wise uh, with defensemen and how they've taken uh, these transfer defensemen over the past couple seasons and have had a lot of success with those guys as 50 year grad transfers. Uh, come in and, and, and plug them into those holes they need on the back end, uh, along with the guys that you have there. They've done a great job with that. Uh, Marcus Hudgens is, is another guy they could do that with. Um, so, yeah, Marcus Hudgens in the transfer portal. Very, very unique situation, um, but it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. And will certainly, certainly make an impact anywhere that he goes. And again, he's a Syracuse native. That doesn't mean he's a lock to Syracuse. I know Syracuse fans are very excited about we could possibly get, you know, a a, a top five defenseman in college across. Should be excited about that. But, But again, let the system play, let the process play out. He's gonna get all, all the big dogs are gonna gonna throw stuff at him. Um, certainly, they're all gonna be interested in him, all talking to him. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know when he makes that decision uh, of where he will spend his fifth year, uh, or actually fourth year playing of college class, but fifth uh, college year. Um, and it will certainly be interesting as he is, uh, as I said, one of the top five college class defensemen. Um, right now uh, was 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 a disappointment uh or, or was you know tough to you know not be able to watch him play this season but see what he lands next year all right enough tra- enough yeah enough transfer portal talk we're gonna head into the first round and, and look at some of these games again i already previewed kind of the whole tournament on uh tuesday it was so I'm not going to get in deep into every one of these contests. And I'm not going to like pick these games. You can go back and listen. I've done that. Um, I, I might mention who I picked or whatever, but like I'm not gonna, not gonna go on. Uh, you know, deep dive into each of these games because I kind of already did that uh, to an extent. So looking at these games, uh, gonna go by. Excuse me, by date. So. Saturday games and Sunday games, obviously. The first Saturday game will be that Boston U Princeton contest that I really talked at length about on <clears throat> Tuesday's show. I mean, this is a game I am personally very, very excited for. This is a 12 7 loss, a 12 to 7 win for for Princeton last time, 12 7 loss for Boston U. This is the game, or uh, that was the game where Jake Cates went down, unfortunately, with the ACL tear there for Boston U. Um, but as I've mentioned, they've only gotten, not that losing him was good, but they've you know, have had to have a number of different guys step up because of that. Matt Hilburn has stepped in at that starting role, and you know a team that was already starting to show a lot of depth heading into that week uh, has continued to show that depth um, and, and continue to show more of it As the season has progressed, and certainly from that Princeton game on, especially, um, this game, last time was more of a defensive battle. You know, I would probably expect that a little bit. Um, You know, when you look at kind of the keys of the game here, I think Princeton, what you want to do is so their clearing game has not been as good late as it has been it was earlier in the season. They're going about 80% right now. Um, mm-hmm. You want to be 83, 85. Uh, it, it, it is kind of that average range um, that, that most kind of elite teams want to be at. You want to be 85 or above, especially. Um, if you're in the 90s, you, you're doing something good. Uh, Princeton, being a team that can get that transition offense going with their 2 way midfielders, such as Jake Stevens. Um, that's going to be something that's crucial for them to lock into. And they're going to want to get that transition, get that NASCAR offense going then, uh, because I'm not sure how Boston U is going to react to that. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, and also I will say, Boston U does the 10-man ride. And Boston U, while they've been pretty successful with it, we've seen at times this season teams have been able to pick them off in those spots. And what I mean by that is, um, well, Matt Garber is five yards out of cage and the net's open and you can trickle the ball in there. Um, You saw Henry Voigt, the Merrimack goalie in the first game of the season, have that wild uh, goalie goal from uh, beyond, well beyond the the half-yard mark. So, uh, you know, it can be done. Uh, Yale did it a couple times, really helped spark that. Um, so you know, if they can expose that 10-man ride, which has been very tough for teams this season, and Princeton can get that transition offense going, I mean, it, it, it's a good possibility they win this game. For Boston U, um, well, we know this is a Princeton team that can put up points. We, we absolutely know that. And, well, yeah, you want to shut them down in transition. I think even more so, is, you know, Connor Calderon, and if I look back at this box score last time, obviously 12-7 to 7 victory there for Princeton. Uh, you know, Connor Calderon did pretty well. I mean, he won the day. It was basically a 50-50 battle at the face-off dot between these two, uh, but that did not really seem to matter. Because, and also when you look at the the clearing game, 19 of 22 for Princeton, 19 of 26 for Boston U. So, you know, not, nothing wild. Um, you know, Boston U did have that successful second quarter there where they held Princeton to three to five and then four to five there in the third. So kind of middle of the game when Boston U was able to get some momentum. They get more momentum. Then it was a slow 2-1 start. Uh, Princeton lead 2-1 after the first. They were able to get some momentum off the ride, um, partially, and then you also add in the fact of Calderon going 50-50 in this game. Um, but the way they lost is is Princeton just turned on the, just turned on the gas, and um, they outscored them from the 801 mark of the third through the final uh, buzzer. They outscored them. Uh, was it six, seven? Yeah, seven to two. I mean, that from, from that point on, seven to two, um, seven to three in the second half, or seven to four in the second half alone, excuse me. So, you know, and, and two of those came off and up goals from Col- Colton McCasey. Um, you know, they're going to have to shut down this attack unit. Uh, Chris Brown can dish out from you know, is the primary assist guy. And when you have a, a Colton America see a Sam English, uh, Alex Lush, you're like, you're going to want to sh- kind of shut that down. Uh, they're going to have to shut down that attack unit, have to shut down that uh, half-field offense there if they're going to want to win this game. So I'm really looking at what that Boston U defense can do uh, there. Uh, when you look at those guys, Patrick Morrison, Roy Meyer, um, Matt Garber and, and and Cage, what those guys can do against this Princeton offense—that is going to be crucial for them to win this game. All right, two thirty p.m. You have Penn and you have Richmond. Um, and, and I, I said on on I've said multiple times, uh, I'm very very high on this Penn team right now. I, I think Penn has a chance to make it a championship weekend uh, because of. The momentum they've been able to build here recently. And a lot of times that matters. Um, You got to get hot at the right time. Richmond is a team that can upset teams though. We know this. They beat Virginia. Their defense is really, really good. Uh, So really what I'm looking for this game is the matchup. And this is really the, the, the biggest thing I'm looking for is the matchup between the Richmond defense, and the Penn offense. This is an offense that is, is a little different, as Sam Hanley is a quarterback from the midfield. Now, you do have Dillon Good-Garden company at that attack spot. Um, and, you know, we'll see if James Shipley is back. He's a guy that can play two ways, uh, impactful player. So we'll see if he's back. We'll see if Brendan Lavelle is back for Penn. He's been out since that St. Joseph's game. So you're looking for those two guys to get back. You're looking for Penn to be a little bit more healthy. Uh, but Richmond, I think if they put it all together, they can beat Penn, like seriously. And I know I, I've, I've raved about Penn uh, over this past week and, and and how I think they have a lot of promise. And that obviously the number three seed, it's going to be tough. But Richmond has upset potential, and, and, and their defense knows how to hold an offense. And, you know, we've seen Penn this time get out-hustled. We've seen them. Um, not straight up get shut down, maybe, uh, but we have seen them definitely not have the best of times offensively uh at times during this game during this season. We've seen them allow teams to maybe hang around a bit more than they should have um and, and, and you know as is evidenced by how many close games they've had. Um, you know, especially you the early in the season, there you had Villanova, Penn State, Duke, all close wins. Obviously, the Duke being 14 13 overtime. Uh, they, they hung with Georgetown, and that was a close game, a close loss. Uh, you had a 21 to 20 OT loss to Princeton. You had you no know, 16 12 game against Dartmouth and the 11 to 8 game against Harvard up until that point. Um, well, I guess the, 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 the Cornell win, but they only had three wins that weren't like two, three goal games. Um, so that, that that is that is very interesting. And then you see they go into the Yale game, the Ivy League title game, 16 to 9. Um, and they beat Brown 14 to 9. So I mean, they put up numbers in those two games. And you saw Sam Hanley really, really step on the gas there. Uh, as well as Dylan goal, Gabe Fury is a guy who ha- has stepped in and has really stepped up recently Um, here for the Quakers. He had the three goal to assist the game against St. Joseph's. He had the two goal to assist the game against Yale, his two best games of the season coming just over the past month. Uh, So this is a team I think that is c- consistently looking deeper. Um, and they're going to go up against a Richmond team that has a lot of promise, especially on the defensive end. Zach Cage, Ray Barron, Griffin College, these are guys that can shut down elite offenses. They did last time they played an elite team there in Virginia. They were able to shut down a Jacksonville offense, a really good team there, uh, holding, uh, was it Maxwell down to one goal? And uh, Jacob Greiner had what uh, was a Griner and one of those two had, uh, had had a goose egg on the on the scoreboard in that uh, SoCon title game. So that is a game that uh, you know is interesting in how that matchup is gonna work out there. Yale and Saint Joseph's, you know what we're looking at here. It, it, it's the face off dot. Uh, Nicholas Ramsey for Yale and Zach Cole for Saint Joseph's. Um, however, I do want to mention Mm -hmm. Yale's defense has been uh, degressing, uh, or regressing in recent weeks um, which I think is something that maybe hasn't been talked about a lot but it's certainly not something that uh, Yale wants to see Uh, so we'll see if their defense can take a step forward here in this game and get back to that level that they want to be. Parquette has been Uh, pretty consistent, but in terms of the defense of the, you know, close defense around him, they have not been, uh, you know, as good as they were maybe earlier in the season there. Uh, They're 56th in defensive efficiency uh, at the time being. So that is something they definitely want to, uh, you know, pick up the pace with there, if you will. But really the the, the face-off dot, Nicholas Ramsey versus Zach Cole, number one face-off guy in college lacrosse. He will be back for the fifth season, by the way. Um, so I so that is going to be a situation where we really look at that battle. Um, but again, b- uh, both of these offenses can do damage. You've got Levi Anderson, Carter Page on the uh, St. Joseph's side, as well as Matt Bomer on the Yale side. You've got, obviously, Matt Brandau, Chris Lyons. Uh, so many different players who have stepped up this season. Carson Cool, uh, one of the, one of those guys. A, a really a deep bench for Yale of not only young guys but just inexperienced guys coming into the season that have you know made an impact. Brown and Virginia. Oh, and by the way, the 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 Yale Saint Joseph's game what does the Yale ride do to St. Joseph's? How do they handle that something else to watch. Um, brown in Virginia Wallace Tiffany's homecoming uh, it will be a second time coming back to Providence. Uh, look I, I, I had some people ask me some questions this week about uh, the brown defense and I've made I talked about that a little bit on Tuesday um, and so I went back and I watched uh, watched some 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 brown film, And then kind of went back and looked at some of the notes I'd made about uh, Brown throughout the season. One thing to note, like their defense, when they play, and they did this when they faced uh, Cornell especially. I think is the game where you really saw, okay, this defense is as advertised. Like what they did early, early in the season wasn't necessarily a fluke. Um, was against in that Cornell game holding them to eight goals and they they, mm-hmm. they played this kind of matchup zone and the the unique thing about Brown's defense is mm-hmm. it's not a defense where you ne- necessarily have like a an ultimate alpha dog. Um, you know Andrew Geppo is the top pole uh, for sure in terms of production. And then also in terms of just uh, ability I would say he's the top pole um, and then Luke Gatos and Colin Hart are also Hart being the uh, sh- uh, the LSM Silas Newsom there at close these are all poles Adrian and show another LSM there these are all guys who make plays but like it, it's not it's more of a a a, a, a holistic effort of a unit. And go back and watch that Cornell game. Every time the ball gets in between the hash marks on the football field, you're getting hit by Brown jerseys all around you. And, uh, like, that is what's so tough about Brown is, like, they deny the middle so much. I th- it's going to be interesting to see how they play this Virginia offense because they do have so many weapons. They, they, they really, really do. Connor Schoenberger, Matt Moore, Peyton Cormier, Jeff Connor uh, has been a guy who has been consistent this season. I mean, there are so many different guys that can step up and they can attack you from so many different angles This Virginia offense can. So, you know, can this Brown defense, what they've done to other teams this season, can they do that here uh, is going to be the question, and then obviously, you know these are two teams that can play fast. I don't know if they necessarily seek out that, like some teams do. But given the opportunity, they can play fast, and I think Virginia. The key for them in this game is just like don't make too many mistakes, because that's how Brown beats you. Brown can turn your mistake; they will turn your mistakes into their victories. Brown does it every single game, and you've seen this all season because of their success in unsettled situations, they can really kill you in, you know, off little mistakes. And, you know, the the kind of Brown ride isn't as impactful as some other teams, you know, Virginia has a tough ride. And so we'll see how that works against this Brown team. If they do, might want to get going fast here because of that. That's going to be interesting to watch. But more so than anything, I just want to see how these two teams match up with each other offensively, defensively, uh, at the face-off dot when you are at PD Stala and Matt Gunty. I mean, this is going to be a great game under the lights at night in Providence. Um, the name of the stadium has escaped me. This is going to be an exciting, exciting battle. Brown, Virginia, Wallace, Tiffany, uh, homecoming, fantastic. Maryland and uh, Vermont uh, at noon on Sunday. So on Sunday's games now. What is this game going to be? I I would say a blowout, but I want to see Vermont play a respectable game. I said that earlier. I really don't see Vermont winning this game at all. It is going to be hard-pressed for them to do so, very, very hard. Um, this is a Maryland team, as we've said all season, does not have many holes. Um, I do think the battle between Tommy Burke and Luke Weyermann at the faceoff dot is something worth watching. That is going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but I think, and I will say Vermont, of the mid-major teams that Maryland could have played here, um, in terms of how the play-in games could have worked out, I think Vermont is probably the best suited to play Maryland or to play a Big Ten and ACC team. They do have the athletes that you don't normally see from the America East uh, or from mid-major teams on their roster. So that is something that will work in their favor. However, you're playing Maryland, um, once they turn it on, they can't turn it off. So that is going to be a massive, massive uh you know challenge for Vermont. Uh and then we'll head to the 730 game real quick. Georgetown and Delaware. Um look I want to see so Georgetown they've started slow. They've finished slow. Um or not start not finished slow yeah against Villanova. Um they've started slow they finished slow um the past couple of games. I, I just want to see them play a full game. Um, and I know like those past two games weren't necessarily things that they were necessarily worried about losing. Um, which, but that, that's a mindset that you can't let set in. So you cannot let that set in. Um, and not, I'm not saying Georgetown has, but you've kind of seen them maybe get off to some slower starts than expected or have kind of slowed down late, uh, got too comfortable. So I just want to see them like play a full game here against, against Delaware and Delaware, like if they don't play a full game, they're going to take advantage. Like be sure of that. Um, you know, I think this game could be a bit closer than Maryland Vermont for sure. Um, I do want to see what does this Delaware defense, do, 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 uh, do offense, Ty Coates and company, uh, JP Ward, Mike Robinson, those guys are phenomenal. Mark Abida at the at the midfield position. This is a really really good offense. This is a high flying offense. What are they going to do against Georgetown? And, you know, best defense in College Cross. The 2.30 game here on Sunday, Cornell and Ohio State. I've talked about this one. Um, really, I went kind of in depth in this one, uh, in this game, more than any. I think it's probably the best first-round game uh, because it is the rematch and because it is so many different matchups, Gavin Adler. Jack Myers, what is that going to do? He held him to one goal last time. How's that going to work out this time around? Uh, the big red, obviously, coming off that loss to Yale in the Ivy League semifinals, but they beat Princeton that final game of the regular season, and you saw their offense getting flying. High in that one, eighteen to fifteen game, um, and against against Yale, it really was the Yale ride that really helped them. And so, uh, you know, th- this is a team that last time these two uh, a game matchup, the last time these two teams played, Cornell the you know, won the faceoff dot Cornell won won the ride, and they won the the, the individual matchups. Um, offensively uh, and, and and defensively uh, in this game, and that is really what pushed them over the edge. They had a and now this is a different looking team, so to speak. Aiden Blake has been out with an injury there, uh, so different look at at midfield there. The top midfielder has been out uh, for Cornell, Um for Ohio State. You have this emergence. Of guys like Jackson Reed have stepped up even more around Jack Myers than maybe had done so earlier in the season. Ollie Allen, a number of guys who have I think have – they were there early in the year, but I think they've stepped it up more here. Recently you've seen this Ohio State offense really settle in uh, holistically uh, now in, in the past month or so. So, And also Skyler Layland in case. So what is he you – know? what's his reaction against this Cornell offense of, you know, CJ Coach, John P. and company that we know can just, they, I mean, they can put up goals like it's nobody's business, and, and they've been doing so really all season long, and especially I mentioned, you know, that 18-15 game there against Princeton, um, they did have those two tough losses, 17-10 against Army, thirteen eight against Brown, they, they they just can't get, and 16-15 against uh, Syracuse, that was a win there, but no overtime. time, they Cornell's got to start fast if they want to win this game. I think Ohio State, um, Ohio State probably has more of the ability to come back from a a a a, a tough deficit. We've seen them do that hanging there um, at times this season. So I I think they certainly have maybe more of that ability. Um, but Cornell certainly can score goals, you know, in their sleep, and that's going to be tough for this Ohio State defense to handle. Rutgers and Harvard. The, the, the one thing I will say to watching this one, obviously you've got the the uh the, the, the veteran Wayden, Rutgers Squad, Ross Scott, Mitch Bartolo, Ronan Jacoby and company versus this uh youth movement Harvard Sam King Miles butt I mean all these guys there um butt kiss cheek so many different players for this Hollywood squad that are young players. I mentioned Kyle Mullen, the goalie, is the only senior who's a starter on that back end. Uh, Colin Bergstrom is a freshman. You have Tommy Martinson is a freshman. Chase Strupp is a junior. Uh, there are so many guys uh, that are freshmen. Sam King on the offensive end. Uh, however, you do have an Austin Madronic and, uh, there who is a senior, a Hayden Cheek, who's a junior. Miles Butkus is a freshman. Owen Gaffney is a freshman. There's so many different players who are young and who have been playing their tails off all season. Uh, so that is a storyline going to, into this game that is very, very interesting. What I want to see is, though, so Rutgers plays a similar offense. I mentioned this on Wednesday. To Princeton. Jim Mitchell helped install that offense when he was at Rutgers. He's now the OC at Princeton. Uh, Had a short head coaching stint at Bellarmine and then headed back to actually Providence for like a week and then to Princeton, if y'all remember that situation. But um, so – you do have that situation where Harvard beat Princeton. And it's a similar offense. It's different personnel. It's some different tweaks to it because of that. Um, I think Rutgers runs it better. Uh, I think Rutgers has better uh, overall experience and overall is a better roster to run that with, um, at least personnel-wise at the moment. But they both do it fairly well. Uh, The NASCAR offense, getting things in transition. You have an Ethan Rawl there, you have a Brendan Kamish uh there for Rutgers. How is Hollywood gonna play that? We know they've beaten a team that runs a similar offense. Can they beat this team though? Can they beat Rutgers? That is the question. Can they do it? They've been in games with teams all season long. And I, you know, I'm not even sure exactly look into this game like where's the matchup to watch because it, it, it is such like the the, the dominant storyline of youth and veterans going head-to-head is one, or youth and experience going head-to-head is one that dominates this game. And so I do look at that, and it's kind of difficult for me to piece together, like, what's a, what, what's a good matchup here? Because Harvard, now that they've looked different, I will say I, I do want to see Sam King, this attack unit, Austin Madronic, how does the Rutgers defense handle them? I think that's interesting. And then vice versa, you have a young offense there. That was me a young defense with Kyle Moen, uh, in cage, and you have this Rutgers offense that can just kill you, um, with with a stroke, you know, one stroke, and it, you know, do they handle that? Like like that is also something because, but I I mean, I, this is probably, you know. The best team that Harvard has seen all season outside of Princeton, outside of Yale. This is, and, and obviously Penn, this is the best team, I think, roster wise, top to bottom, that they've seen all season. Um, and that's nothing against those Ivy League teams that they've played uh, Penn, Princeton, Yale. Like, that's nothing against those teams, Brown. But I think Rutgers, athletically and just the, the size, is. Um, no, and not that those teams couldn't beat them. Certainly, Princeton did beat Rutgers. Um, that was a really good defensive effort from those guys. Um, but, at the end of the day, I think Rutgers is probably a better roster um, right now. And so, this is going to be a challenge for Harvard. This is going to be a challenge. I'll say it again, Jerry Bone and, and company, they've done a good job this season, but have a hard time seeing how this is an upset, but again, they have beaten a team that runs a similar offense. Um, However, it's different personnel, so we'll see how that one goes. And again, that one is the 5.30 game on Sunday. All right, folks, that is all for today. As always, thank y'all for tuning in. You can connect with us on social media at Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Enjoy the weekend, and enjoy the lacrosse.